0: Good morning. My name is Amy. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. Again, my name is Amy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 29th, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Bill's story at page 15, the last paragraph that says, We Commence to Make. Today's readers are Sharon. Judy, Michelle, Fran, Carol, Susan, and Adrian. Thank you very much. The reference number from yesterday's meeting is 2924. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Susan S. to read the 12 steps, please. Susan, press star one to unmute, please.
1: Sorry, thought it was unmuted. This is Susan in Florida. We admit we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. 7. Humbly. asked them to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass.
2: Thank you,
3: Susan.
1: Mm I will
3: now call on Adrian to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, this is Adrian. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Hence, the O.A. name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you you very much,
0: Adrienne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share approximately to three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Bill's story on page 15, the last paragraph where it says we commence to make. And again, our readers are Sharon, Judy, Michelle, Fran, and Carol P. So, Sharon, if you'd kindly start us out.
4: Good morning. I'm Sharon, recovered, compulsive overeater, and very glad to be on the line this morning. We commenced to make many fast friends, and a fellowship has grown up among us, of which it is a wonderful thing to fill part. The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. I have seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere, have seen the most impossible domestic situations righted, feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. I have seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Business and professional men have regained their standing. There is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. In one Western city and its environs, there are 1,000 of us and our families. We meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. At these informal gatherings, one may often see from 50 to 200 persons We are growing in numbers and power. And then uh, there's an asterisk. In 2001, AA is composed of over 100,000 groups. So there's a lot in this one paragraph. Um, I'll start right at the beginning. Uh, We commenced to make many fast friends and a fellowship has grown up among us that is a wonderful thing to fill a part. And part of our recovery is building that fellowship. And um, it's really interesting here that uh, Bill comes out of the isolation. He had gotten to a point in his life where he had no one, no one. He was barely hanging on to life. Uh, his doctor was probably the closest one to him that he saw the most frequent. Uh, everyone else was just just uh, you know shadows, if you will, uh, or someone who could help him uh, like Lois to continue to to live and to get his drink. But what happens in recovery is that uh, we develop fellowship. We, uh, it, what the 12-step program is built upon is a fellowship. So if you're in isolation uh, and, and struggling, part of what has to be done is you have to pull in close to your fellows. Pull in, for instance, if you don't have a community where you are, this program can be your community as you begin to recover but be aware that we all need to be developing uh, fellowship with others who are walking this path with us Uh, then it gets into the joy of living we really have and when we begin to recover life still happens there's still difficulties there's still pressure so just because you're recovered it's not going to alleviate those types of things But what it does do is it keeps us afloat. It keeps us uh, from going down. And we can still have joy. We can still have peace and serenity in the midst of our trials and and struggles in life. And that's a gift of recovery. That's what we get. Um, And I I could go on, but I want to end with I have witnessed as I've been in Recovered and worked and sponsored others. Uh And I know that sponsors can say this about me that they've seen miraculous recovery, but I've worked with people who were um, just just at the bottom, and I've had the privilege of seeing them restored to life uh their jobs restored just um It's just been amazing. To be a witness and to participate in the lives of recovered people and see the miracle of this program take place in others, and it's happened for them, and it will happen for you as you press into the group, as you uh, work the steps, and um, and get a sponsor, surrender, and you too can recover. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else care to share on what was read?
5: This is Debbie. May I share?
0: Yes, Debbie. Please go ahead.
5: Hi. Um, this is Debbie, re- uh, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, this statement, the first line in that paragraph, just spoke to me volumes this morning. I It just brings tears to my eyes because... <sighs> The, the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous is the first place I ever felt in my life like I really belonged. I spent my whole life looking to belong somewhere um, in school. I, I didn't belong to the, the smart group or the popular group or um, the, the, the jock group. Um, I sought to 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 fit in somewhere and and join the freak group that was when drugs were starting out back in the 70s um but that really wasn't it either and then i um i joined the air force i i wanted to belong i remember that was a big part of why i joined the air force i wanted to belong somewhere and everybody said in the military you belong it's a big family and it was okay but it that really wasn't it either and when I found a way, oh my gosh, it changed my it changed my life. It it made my life. Um, I have made many fast friends, and I continue to make friends. And the fellowship that I feel when I attend these meetings, when I go to the, my face to face meetings, that feeling of just overflowing love in my heart for for everyone who shares this path that I'm on is is beyond comprehension, and it's beautiful beyond belief. So with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Go ahead, Janice. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Amy. My name is Janice. I am a compulsive overeater, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We commenced to make many fast friends, and the fellowship has grown up among us, of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. You know, reaching out of myself, getting out of that isolation, was absolutely necessary in order to find the God of my understanding. You know, to come out of myself and connect first with the person who sponsored me, and then a wider, wider group. You know, the fellowship supports us, but that's God who changes us. And, you know, the God of my understanding and the work of the 12 steps is what allowed me to be transformed, have that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery so that I was available to make fast friends, so that I was available to be a part of a fellowship to be a part of a greater whole. And, you know, I too longed for that. I didn't even know that I longed for it, but I did, but I did. A group of people all doing the same thing, all working towards that place of abstinence and recovery. You know, that is a powerful, powerful thing when we all come together like that. And, you know, I'm so glad that Bill talks in this paragraph about what their experience was, you know, that he has seen hundreds of families. You know, we know it's a family disease. We know that it affects all people in the family and that when one recovers, there is a possibility for the whole family to be changed as a result. And so hundreds of families set on their feet. The most impossible domestic situations, write it. You know, business and professional men regain their standing, and women. You know, scarcely any form of trouble and misery that hasn't been overcome. And in my own life, I can say that has absolutely been the case. You know, all sorts of things happen. Life happens. Life happens. But I have experienced a fellowship of people gathering me up, walking along with me, whether it be through the death of first my father and then my mother, the death of my husband, you know, my own major surgery. I mean, all of those things, people were there for me in a way I never would have imagined. You know, and all of those things were overcome so that I could still feel that joy of living. You know, left to my own devices, you know, I would not have been able to access That kind of thinking, that shift in perception. You know, the whole deal, the real deal, the only deal, is the love that grows among the fellowship. And for that, I am eternally grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone else care to share what was read?
6: Yes, hi, this is Kathy from Maryland.
0: Go ahead, Kathy.
6: Hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Kathy Compulsive overeater. Overeater. Um, I love this paragraph. And if anybody, you know, I don't need to look too far to really find the joy of living even under pressure and dif- difficulty. I mean, when I walked in this program, I had three kids that just would rather have a mother anywhere but in the house and a f- husband that was ready to walk out the door. And let me tell you, Domestic Fuse, uh, we had it down to an art form. It was horrible. It was just sick. It was gross. And... My home life is not like that. I'm on a business trip. My kids are calling me up. Mom, when are you coming home? We miss you and legitimately missing you. And that is all a result of working this program. It does work. And for those of you who are starting out your journey and not sure where this is going to end up, I mean, aside from I wear a much, much smaller um, clothing size, which was a nice coup, um, turn to page 83 and the bottom of 83 and the top of 84, this is what your life will be like. You're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. You're not, you're not going to regret your past. It's going to become your greatest asset, and you truly will know what peace means and what serenity is. And I love the line in the um, big book, no matter how far down the scale we've gone. I thought that meant weight when I first started here, how ignorant was I. But we will go down the scale. You're going to see how your life benefits others. And it will happen. It happens to everybody. You just got to stick with it and keep on doing it. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Hey, Melanie, I'm getting some consistent distortion on the shares. Is that across the board or is that just me? Melanie, are you on? I Just uh, excuse me for interrupting. Just wanted just to see their
4: board. I can... It's across the board. It's really bad, yeah. This is Katie, and I hung up and called back. Maybe it needs to be cleared. Hello?
0: This is Katie, and I hung up and called back, and it's gone. I, I
4: don't have that now.
7: Amy, continue with the meeting, please. It's still distorted. Okay. Sound my good.
8: phone
0: sounds clear, so I don't know. Okay, because I can't. Okay. Would anyone else care to share on what was read, please? This is Katie, a compulsive o- reader. Can I share? Go ahead, Katie. Okay, and I hung up and called back, and it's not distorted anymore, just saying. Okay, well, well, I love this paragraph because
4: if someone has read up to this point and thought, I don't relate to Bill because I'm not that bad, I'm not this, I'm not a man, I'm not, you know, whatever. Well, this is saying that everything across the board, that people, it doesn't
0: matter how high your bottom is or how low your bottom is, they have seen recovery. They have seen people's lives change from all different I've seen hundreds of families set their feet in the past that really goes somewhere. And that is, to me, the opposite of disease where we are whirling dervishes, spinning tornadoes, wreaking havoc everywhere we go. This life of recovery is, yes, it has uh, highs and lows. It has valleys that sometimes you think you're never going to get out of. But that is different than chaos
4: and uh, vicious cycles. And so this paragraph just gives so much hope that that I don't care who you are,
0: what you've done, how bad you've been, whether you're 20 years old or 70 years old, you can get recovery in these rooms by following this simple program. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else care to share what was read? This is Victoria in Minneapolis.
7: Good morning, it's Leah. Go ahead,
0: Victoria. Go ahead, Victoria, then Leah. I would like to um, talk about the passage here that I have seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere. The path that really goes somewhere, um, to me, is what recovery is about. And that path is laid out in this book. Prior to recovery, I had no path. I had no compass. I had no map. I encountered those difficult situations, those struggles and challenges, most of the time with no idea how to respond. I didn't have the spiritual principles. I didn't have the experience, strength, and hope of a fellowship from which I could learn and be supported. I didn't have 12 steps that was going to provide the answers to all of my problems. And that was a claim I certainly did not believe in the beginning. I couldn't imagine how any path was going to provide all of my answers. But over the years, that has faithfully, that promise has faithfully been realized and it has meant studying, it has meant failing, getting up and trying again, it has meant leaning on people with an honesty that I had never brought any other human relationship. Because this recovery, this path, I was told, depended upon my honesty. Without it,
5: um, I was
0: sure to fail. So I'm very grateful to be here in the meeting this morning and to share with you. I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria. Go ahead, Leah, please.
7: Thank you very much, Amy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leahy. Leah, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We commenced to make many fast friends, and a fellowship has grown up among us, of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. I mean, AA grew by leaps and bounds, and it was growing by leaps and bounds because of two principal reasons. One, men and women, for the first time in history, were getting sober and staying sober. They were staying sober. You know, they were crawling their way out of the gutter, and now they were standing upright uh and and number 2 families were reunited you know families that had been pulled apart split apart at the seams due to the madness of alcoholism were now reunited and these men and women who had recovered were now being useful contributing members to their towns cities and society at large you know, so no wonder we convent, commenced to make many fast friends and a fellowship has grown up among us. No wonder a fellowship grew because these men and women who had recovered were living proof that something, somebody greater, something greater, a power greater than themselves had restored them to sanity. They were living proof that something was working in their lives, that something had restored their life, rehabilitated their life, reordered their life, gave them a new life, not just a piece of a life, not just a part of a new life, but an entire new life. It wasn't just mere elimination of alcohol. Not at all. It was a new life. That's why the big book uses that term, you know, reborn, because that's exactly what was happening. And it says here, the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. This joy of living, how is that possible? I mean, just because you're recovered doesn't mean you're not subject to and subject of life. People die. Businesses fail. Relationships end. Illness comes. Even, even though somebody's recovered, but it says here the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. How is that possible? How is that possible that even through difficulties such as bereavement or unemployment or endings of relationships, how is it possible to have the joy of living? Well, that's because these men and women who had recovered, they had gone from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. So as part of that process, They trust, rely, and depend now on a power greater than themselves. They seek refuge in a safe harbor, no longer seeking uh, the ease and comfort in the contents of a bottle. They're seeking the ease and comfort from the true comforter, from, from the one that can offer that salvation. And that protection and that safety, even under pressure and difficulty. And that was because these men and women had established a relationship with God and continued to grow that relationship with God. So the fellowship was, of course, extremely supportive. That fellowship that supports us. But it's the program of recovery. It's God that changes us. So one supports us and one changes us. Support comes through the fellowship, as they say here. There is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. Support came through that fellowship indeed, but the change came as a result of this program of recovery and these steps that are outlined in this book and that certainly has been in my experience in in a number of cities now to watch a community grow up about and to watch people trudge through very very difficult times the loss of loved ones the diagnosis of uh, terminal illnesses how do you how do you stand through those things under grace well you do that because your trust, reliance, and dependency is on God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah.
0: Would anyone else care to share on what was read? Yeah, I'd like to. This is Jerry. Go ahead, Jerry. Thank you. I'm an abstinent compulsive
8: overeater and recovered through this program and um, traveling through the United States in an RV. Um, This, I love Bill's story, and when It was explained to me that I look for areas to relate rather than compare. I got it. I got it. And there's one line on the bottom of page 17 that says, we meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. And I quote that a lot to people in program because sometimes I hear, you know, oh, don't go to this meeting or that meeting. It's a bad meeting. And, you know, those are the meetings I try to go to because, if abstinent and recovered compulsive eaters don't reach out to the OA fellowship where they can see abstinence and recovery, we will continue to have, quote, unquote, bad meetings. And my worry is that what happens when newcomers go in those meetings and they don't see recovery? I may be the only recovered person they get to see. So uh, I, I don't shy away from any meeting because it's, it's bad. I once went to a meeting where the, the leader said, "Let's our topic will be uh, relapse. And I thought, oh, my God. So I pitched and said, why don't we talk about recovery from relapse? And the whole tone of the meeting changed. I watched people's bodies straighten up and,
1: you know,
0: like, yeah, we can recover. And together we could do what we could never do alone. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I have seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Once again, we're reminded this isn't just about getting thin. This isn't just about losing the weight. It's about getting back out in the community. You know, I remember so clearly a woman who, after losing her weight, said that she was crying because it was the first time she held her grandchild in her lap because she, could, she didn't have a lap, you know, before. She was able to bond with her grandchild that way. You know, I remember after, after getting recovery and losing the weight, playing with my niece and nephew in a jungle gym, you know, and climbing up the ladder and going down the slide with them, which I never would have fit in. But even if I would have fit in them, I was so focused at barbecues on the food, I never would have even noticed my niece and nephew. So, um, you know, you're participating in life. I got an email from a gentleman who's lost 120 pounds who wants, who's now running a half marathon to help raise money for, a, you know, um, a, a charity. You know, um, people who are traveling now who couldn't fit on airplanes. You know, um, going to, I mean, I stopped going to movies because I didn't fit in the chairs anymore. You know, now you can go out with friends and you can participate, you can participate in life because this disease will isolate us so we never leave our homes. You know, we people come from surviving to thriving. You know, I went from having a job just to like make enough money to earn my pensions, to having a wonderful career that I enjoy going to every day. So that's what this program will do for us. It will bring us out of the asylum, and my asylum was between my ears and in my house and resume a vital place in the lives of our families and our communities. And with that I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? I'll share. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive over ear. We commenced to make fast friends and a fellowship has grown up among us, which is one which is a wonderful thing to feel apart. You know, this fellowship, this incredible fellowship, I mean, why is it that it grew the way it is? I mean, the experience that Bill is talking about here is that they have a solution. You know, and I'm jumping the gun here, but if we go to the next chapter, down on page 17 in the last paragraph, it says, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree, upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who still suffer from alcoholism and compulsive overeating. By the grace of God, God has entered into Bill's life. It is brought about through his openness and his willingness and some revolutionary and drastic proposals that we talked about earlier in our story. He has become transformed. Bill has experienced the personality change sufficient sufficient to bring about recovery. He has God, a higher power. A power greater than themselves in his lives. And what does he and his wife do? They abandon themselves with enthusiasm with the idea of helping other alcoholics with a solution that they know works. And what happens? The fellowship grows among them. And I agree with what was being said earlier is that the recovery comes first and then the fellowship develops. We can't have a fellowship unless the recovery comes first, unless we are working the program and showing those others the solution that works. And they absolutely agree. The fellowship is growing because people are being recovered. Families are being united. Yes. Life is still happening to people. Things tragic. I mean, that is that is life. But because we've been set on a new path and a new way of living, we we become empowered through the 12 steps to deal with life in a way that, I don't know about you, that I could have never imagined possible. And this fellowship... I mean, my best friends are in this fellowship. Feel them on the line. We've known for over 25, 26, 27 years we have trudged the road of happy destiny together through the grace of working this program. And it's a blessing. And I've never imagined that I would be able to deal with life on life's terms You know, my only reaction prior to program was to pick up the food. My only relationship, my only fellowship was with an inanimate object, my binge foods. And now I've not only been transformed, I've been given a life. I've been given the joy of living. Life isn't always joyful, but the joy of living it is in my life today because I've been set on a new path. I have a new power in my life. And it it is a miraculous and it is a beautiful thing. The solution is here. It is proven over and over. And Bill is crying this out in this paragraph saying, come, the solution is here. We have the proof. It really does work if you work it. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else care to share what was
9: read? Hi, this is Michelle. Go ahead, Michelle, please hi good morning amy good morning vision for you Um, this is Michelle a recovered compulsive overeater and um, I wanted to just share on that last sentence we meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship that they seek and um, just on the previous page um, Bill had that intuitive thought while he lay in the hospital Um, the thought came to him that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics and for us um, hopeless compulsive overeaters who might be glad to hear um, what had been f- so freely given to me, and um, and in this design for living and practicing these principles, I've been changed. Because before um, I became recovered, before I worked through these steps, I was selfish and self-centered. I wasn't thinking of others. I wasn't thinking about carrying the message to anyone else. I was looking for a solution to my problem, and it was through this design for living that um, I was taught that it is in. In giving that I receive, and that um, I need to, um, I need to turn to my higher power each day and ask, um, "What can I do to be of service to God and to my fellow?" And so, yes, indeed, out of gratitude, we meet frequently, so that newcomers can find the fellowship that they seek—the same, the same peace, um, the same re- recovered um... design for living that was given to me when i was hopeless when i was down and out when i was thinking there was no solution and um... i can only do that when i'm recovered um... work through this program and i'm thinking of other people Um, this program did that for me it changed me god transformed me so each morning when i wake up i ask god how can i be of service to you today how can i be of service to others My thinking has changed from when I first came into this program. That was not my thinking. And so out of gratitude, I want to share what I was given, and that is that joyful living, no matter what the circumstances are for me today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else care to share what was read?
10: Yeah, this is Sarah. Can I share?
0: Go ahead, Sarah.
1: Sarah.
10: I'm just struck but this is Sarah, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm just struck in um, in this paragraph. We're commenced to make many fast friends, and a fellowship has grown among us, which is a wonderful thing to feel a part. The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. So um, just the distinction between this and on page three where Bill, in his in his disease and his growing and um you know the distinction between the alcoholism and the disease and and how it wants to chew you out and spit you <laughs> for the next few years fortune grew through money and applause my way i had arrived Think the distinction between this. I had arrived. My judgments and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seeding us long. Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part of my life. He's thinking that he's high on life. Everyone, um, I made a host of fair weather friends. And just in the next paragraph, my drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. The remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. The the quick, um, the distinction between this I had arrived the joy and the the exhilaration that was coming, and 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 then becoming so quickly a lone wolf. Fair weather friends, and to see you know that that bitter morass of self-pity, that loneliness and that isolation now turned around through the recovery process, through the working of the steps, through going through that pit of fire, through through making a decision to put down the drink and to pick up the spiritual toolkit that was laid in front of him. Even when it was hard, even through... Rough going, designed for living that works in rough going, and many fast friends, friends that provide the joy of living even under pressure and difficulty. You know, there's. I know if I were coming into this meeting in the middle and just starting here and I'd be like, you know, and if I didn't really know Bill's story and I didn't know all the misery and pain and distorted thinking, and inability to know right from wrong and, and just illusion, living in an illusion of happiness. Fair weather friends, his own thinking, his own drive, his own um, feelings of having arrived through you know, the tune of paper millions to the reality, um, just that shift to the reality of a joy of living that that comes through helping others right their families, setting people in the path that really goes somewhere, seeing the impossible domestic situations righted through accessing a power so much greater than ourselves. The humility that that Bill shares this with that it's that it's a recognition that it's not his own power, the leadership that he has that he's showing through growing. Um, we are growing in numbers and power. Whose power? What power? Where is that power coming from? That power is coming from a power greater than ourselves that restored us to sanity. And it's just it's so remarkable, and it just excites me so much to see to just experience not only, you know, his transformation, but my own and seeing the difference between that loneliness, that despair and, and coming face to face with a new reality of God in my life where he is so real and he's so present that it's, it's, it's exciting and you want to share it and you just, want to meet frequently, like we do every morning, so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek and the answers to their problems. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Anyone else care to share what was read? All right, Judy, could we go ahead with the next paragraph, please?
11: Certainly, good morning. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. So this paragraph is is talking about what, what we're like in disease. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. And I was thinking about um, a description of Unlovely, the the way I was when I was uh, totally dependent uh, for everything on the food that I was eating. You know, um, a person who is disturbed or troubled or tormented or perplexed. I was irritable and impatient, nasty and hostile and selfish and self-centered. And and that is what we're like when we're in our disease. And <clears throat> working with people like that after we become recovered is not easy. It it's not easy and we have to remember where we've been and where they are now. <laughs> Excuse me. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic and tragic. I mean sometimes it's it's really difficult to to hear hear about the uh the irrational thinking and and the way that um we are when we're in disease. And the only way to um to help someone there is with God's help because uh by on our on our own uh in our in our own being uh without God's help we just don't know what to say we don't know how to behave and thank God after um working these steps ourselves and going and going through this we we have a better chance of of helping people who are are still in the disease and with God's help we we can be helpful and that's i think when i when i think of uh talking with with someone who just sounds irrational and like it doesn't make any sense. I think you were there once, Judy. You were there. You were reasoning the same way. And what you need to do is to ask God to help you to be helpful because that, that is what we need when we're in disease. We need to be working with people who who have trusted God and who have overcome this, this uh, terrible, terrible uh, disease. And they said one poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way. Every everybody won't want this. And it's hard it's hard to see that, but um with God's help we can we can continue and go on and do our very best to do his work. And with that I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else care to share on what
11: was
8: read, please? It's Leia.
0: Go ahead, Leia.
7: Thank you. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Uh, Indeed, that's true. You know, we come here and and we're certainly no vision for you when we crawl through that door. uh, Tombstones in our eyes. You know, an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Exactly. Uh, We're separated from our kind. We we isolate the alcoholic, the compulsive overeater. We experience deep depression. We experience suicidal thinking. We are like a tornado roaring through, roaring our way through uh, people's lives. Uh, you know, sweet relationships are dead. That's the reality of our disease, whether we're talking about alcoholism or whether we're talking about uh, compulsive overeating. Uh, those of us that sponsor sponsor, are able to sponsor because we have walked in those shoes. You know, we are experts in our field, not because we have a head full of knowledge about the disease of alcoholism or the disease of convulsive overeating, but because we were in that pit. You know, Bill was in that Pit of alcoholism, he had, and we read it as we read his story, that vivid and detailed account of his mad descent into alcoholism, he had been there, and he utilized that dark past to, uh, as his greatest asset, because in carrying the message and working with other people, uh, he was able to make use, make use of what had looked so bleak. It says, one poor chap committed suicide in my home. Again, remarking to the fact that many of us come in here having experienced suicidal thinking, uh, not having the courage perhaps to take our lives, but some do. And some just eat their way into death, right? Eat their, eat their selves six feet under. He could not or would not see our way of life. We have a choice. Compulsive overeaters, alcoholics have a choice. If we want to continue to be in isolation, deep depression, and suicidal thinking, well, then keep doing what you're doing. But there is a choice. Uh, We do have a new way of life to offer. I know when I got here, I had no hope. I was dying of compulsive overeating, and worst of all, I was hopeless. I had no hope. I had no hope of it ever being anything different. But someone cracked this big book open for me and brought it to life for me. And I left there with something I came in without. I left there with hope. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else care to share what was read? I would. This is Sarah. This is Janice. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I
2: didn't catch the first person, or was that just Janice? No, it was me. It was Sarah. Okay, go ahead, Sarah, and then Janice. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sarah B. I'm an abstinent food addict from Washington, D.C. I also want to share i an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Um, you know, like many other people in program, I really struggled for more than a decade to lose weight and, of course, uh, couldn't because all of the commercial programs I was doing uh, were not for food addicts and didn't address the obsession Um, that I had that normal dieters did not, normal eaters did not. And so for a while I toyed with the idea of embracing the fat acceptance movement where you just, you know, say, okay, well, you know, we accept ourselves and love ourselves as our size, and that's great, and I think we should love and accept ourselves as any size. But the problem is that for me my disease was not just a disease of my body. I was carrying more than 100 extra pounds, and that is a problem, but – this disease affected every area of my life. My relationships were terrible. I would enact these crazy, literally crazy, dramatic scenes. I would be out with friends and then would storm out because they didn't read my mind and do what I wanted. You know, who does that? Well, an alcoholic or an addict and their disease does that. So for me, this is much, much more than a physical disease. You know, it is also... um, an emotional disease, and, you know, for me also it was a spiritual disease. And so, you know, that's the beauty, though, of the steps is that they they do fix. If you you are in program and you're abstinent, I do believe your weight will take care of itself. But the steps really lead to that spiritual experience that transform you So all of those things get cleaned up. And I will tell you, my relationships are so different than what they used to be. I have real, authentic friendships. I don't stage dramatic, crazy scenes. You know, I'm mostly at peace with my fellows. And when conflict comes up, which it inevitably does, I handle it like an adult and not like a crazy person. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Janice? Thank you, Amy. Thank you. This
0: paragraph My name is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater in recovery today, thank you, God. There is a vast amount of fun about it all. You know, that this paragraph talks about the alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. You know, Bill W. is so kind, even in his writing, about those who are still suffering, an unlovely creature. And our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic, you know, we, were, we, we don't lose our sense of humor even when we're dealing with people who are still in the disease. You know, we put it out there for them. We offer our friendship and our fellowship. We offer them the solution and the way out. But if it's not for them, we say, well, I hope you find whatever path you need to find. Here is the path I have found. Here is what works for me. You know, and some people could not or would not see our way of life. Could not or would not see our way of life. And I have no control over that. But through, through self-preservation, I keep offering the hand of friendship and fellowship. Offering the solution and the way out for those who still suffer and want it and
12: need it badly. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Anyone else care to share what was read?
12: Hi, this is Melanie from Minnesota, Compulsive Reader. Go ahead, Melanie. Hi, good morning. Um, I came in here not very lovely, and I know that many of us have already shared on that. But it wasn't very long before I would come into the room again, and people would say to me, oh, my goodness, we clean up pretty good, don't we? And that just blessed my heart. I can't even tell you, and it was such a sincere response and remark, you know, to what the difference was between what it was like and what I looked like and what recovery had done to transform me. And certainly it was the physical piece, and, but most, I think, astounding was the internal soulful piece that came about. And I wanted to share something with you in, re- in reference to that, This very few sentences on that paragraph. On page 479 of your big book, of Alcoholics Anonymous, 3rd edition. It says, Oh, I was a a beauty in those days. Some women, drunken women, really are, you know. If our hair is half-bleached with dark roots, poker straight, and not combed, this adds to our beauty. Then, of course, there are always the wrinkled slacks, which have been slept in and are so dirty they could walk away by themselves. And we usually have some kind of grimy sweater that we think we look sexy in, even if we weigh 98 pounds soaking wet, and are not wearing a bra. Some of us always remember our big mouths when it comes to a drink, but somewhere along the line we seem to have forgotten about taking care of our teeth. This really makes for an attractive woman. Our shoes are no better than that of an average hobo's, and if we are fortunate enough to have a pair of stockings on, nobody notices the runs in them because of our dazzling beauty and our dirty feet. You see, we don't have much time for bathing in our crowded schedules. We are so beautiful that it is never too much trouble to get some poor stranger to buy us a drink. And actually he does solely to get rid of us. You see see how much work some of us had to do with ourselves when we finally came to AA. And I'm telling you that there is a transformation and it's a promise. And what an interesting thing just a few sentences can possibly say here and the impact that we are sharing upon here. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Melanie. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you, everyone, who shared. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page one sixty four, followed by the Serenity Prayer. If um, Michelle, if you'd be kind enough to read a vision for you, please.
9: Hi, this is Michelle, recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.